Hello. Today's show, an interview with Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton, was originally broadcast on this station in November of 2018. We hope you enjoy it, and happy holidays. Hi, everybody. Welcome. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we've got a really special show today. Yes, we do. Uh, really blessed today to have uh, two guests, collaborators, mother-daughter, uh, and, and good friends, uh, which is cool. Uh, Julie Andrews, uh, the iconic Julie Andrews, and her daughter, Emma Walton Hamilton, who have uh, worked together on over 30 projects, books, and such, and are currently collaborating on um, Julie's memoir. You, that's what you had brought up that I thought was really interesting before we went on the air, which is about what it is that you choose to write about. or I'm how fascinated it by that. I, I, I know your... for myself, when I started my writing career and I went out to Los Angeles, I had this preconceived notion of the stuff I was going to try and write and the statements I wanted to make. And if you had said to me when I got out to Los Angeles, said I would uh, ultimately write a cartoon, a kid's movie, and then multiple kid's movies and video games and kid's books and all this stuff. I would have said, no, that's not really what I'm doing. That's not why I'm here. That's not what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and then over the years, I've had the chance to really look at it and realize that's exactly what I was supposed to be doing. That, that uh, for reasons are very personal. Yeah, that's, that's what um, you're talking about. It. The, the, the child I was, the child I still am, the desire to touch base with that part of my personality and also protect kids and celebrate uh, imagination. And all of these things, as I've grown older and wiser as a writer, I realize are these gifts that I didn't even realize that's who I was. And so I think that would be a really interesting thing because uh, our guests today have collaborated on a bunch of children's books, and I always think that's an interesting choice. Well, you know what? I, can I just riff off of what you said? Because that's I, I just had an aha moment as well, which is, you know, dealing in journalism as I do. But I realized that also, you know, my background, of course, and, and you knew my dad, was he, he was a man of great stories, and he liked to embellish a great deal on these stories. If, if Warner Leroy said, you know, there were 150 horses running up a hill, it was like one guy on a donkey, you know? So I try to deal in truth and, and fact. And I would say there is no truth. Well, you, then you you're getting deal. conceptual. Well, but there is no truth. So journalism is just another narrative. Uh, what you try to do is, is have the ability to back up what you say. Right. Whereas people in fiction don't have to back it up with facts, but with emotions. Right. 
That's a good point. Well, we do have these great guests today. We have Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton, who are going to talk about their collaboration and their writing and and their journey. Their journey, their journey. as uh, the work. I I do believe, uh, maybe with the exception of Lenny Reifenstahl, that that you shouldn't judge somebody by their work, but but you could actually. I know. I, I just went there. Yeah, you um, did. You went like to <laughs> a very esoteric there. place. Well, People yeah. are like googling right now. Right. I know. But ultimately, it does come down to the work. It always comes down to the work. It comes down to the statements you make, the expressions you make and ultimately how you connect with a greater audience. And so... Well, and how you connect with your inner self through the work. For sure. Right? Because that's yeah. part of the journey. Yeah, for sure. So that, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I know we just are getting over a holiday or still celebrating a holiday, depending on what family you're in. Yeah. And that's interesting to me because we're also talking about family and we're talking about... I would how like to, to think... How to collaborate with them. And also how to share a narrative. Yeah. That's true. Because you can get to a table where everybody has a different idea of what went down and that can... Right. Lead to fisticuffs, but the whole idea. Or Thanksgiving. So anyway, you All are perspective. Yes, yes. Well, we're, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back with our guests, Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolov. We'll be right back. I'm Sarah Austin Janess. You're listening to 88.3 WLIW-FM and WLIW.org slash radio, Long Island's only NPR station. You know a good story when you hear it. Makes you feel, laugh, think. Sometimes you get a little teary. I'm Scott Simon, host of Weekend Edition Saturday, and each week we bring you stories from around the country and around the world. Stories that help you learn, make you smile, catch you by surprise. Please join us every Saturday for the news you need and the stories you won't forget. Saturday mornings at 8 on 88.3 WLIW-FM. Today's show, an interview with Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton, was originally broadcast on this station in November of 2018. We hope you enjoy it and happy holidays. We're back with Sundays on the East End. You're listening to Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And our guests, Emma Walton Hamilton and Julie Andrews. Welcome, Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. So happy to be here. Yes. So we were talking about narrative and journeys, and you guys are sharing a journey right now. Uh, and it must yeah, what, be. What are you guys working on right now? <laughs> Simple question. Just get a little. Right? Uh, how long ago was the first memoir? Uh, ten years ago. About ten years ago, uh, a memoir of my early years was published, and and I fortunately had a lot of people saying, "When is when are you going to continue and write the next bit?" And so I started, and Emma has been my great collaborator, and 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 I couldn't possibly manage without her. So we're writing it together. She probably more than more than I am, I think. But it's uh, based. I, I mean, and th this just brings an intrigue because I have a little backstory here. It's you kept journals, diaries well, for years. Uh, yes, for for uh, on and off. But but um, the years that I'm writing about, uh, happily, the diaries were. I was keeping them. And uh, this is kind the, of from the really big things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's she what kept I wanted diaries to... on vacations, but not during the making of The Sound it's of Music, for as, instance. As, as the band Gogo Bordello has in one of the lyrics, it's more than the truth. It actually happened. Right. No. Well, but that's a very interesting point. I mean, just as, as we're talking about family and collaboration, um, 
for you, Emma, to be looking at these diaries, what what does it con because a, a lot of this happened? Well, a lot of it happened also during your teenage years and teenage mother, you know, teenage <laughs> kids and their moms don't always see eye to eye. So, what is this kind of conjuring up for you in particular, looking at this stuff? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's very moving. I mean, I what I'm realizing, I think. People ask me often when they find out what we're doing, what I'm learning, or what have I discovered that I didn't know before. And it's not as though there are any, I mean, we, we've always had a really very connected relationship, and I think I pretty much know all the family secrets and always have. But so there's not, there's no great revelations in terms of facts. But what I have been deeply moved by in reading these diaries, because of course they do spend years that I was there. Um, and certainly there are times when my point of view is quite different than hers, you know, a, an event that happened. Mm -hmm. But what I've been really struck by is um, in those years where she's in her 30s and 40s and, and I'm in my you and know, on elementary and on. school. Yeah. <laughs> so just like this past decade, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, she's, you know, she's juggling a lot. She's juggling parenting. She's juggling a marriage, a second marriage. She's juggling her career and all of this stuff. And there is a kind of... Um, innocence and um, confusion in the diaries, which is, of course, why one keeps the diaries to figure out stuff. But there's a kind of um, lovely innocence that when you're a kid and you look at your parent, you think, well, they're grown up. They, they must know what they're talking about. They must have all the answers, right? And now I realized being a parent myself and being much older than she was when she wrote those diaries, that actually we, we don't have it all figured out, you yeah, know? Yeah, and yeah, for sure. You know, much as I might have thought she did, she was figuring it out then right. just as well, I'm I, figuring it out now. I think it's just a question of of, of learning your whole life long. Uh, uh, it, it seems that nobody knows exactly how to be born or how to die and how to parent in between and, and how to grow up. And uh, it's just, I think, the most important, most valuable thing you could be in life. And I think we are, and that is curious. Yes, uh, and Emma is, right. is wonderful at asking me questions and, and getting to the root of something which I might want to uh, gloss over occasionally. I think the other thing, particularly with the first book, you knew nothing about the war years or what it was like growing up during World War Two, uh, and, and I just think it was, you know, you sort of filled in all the pieces of the jigsaw for yourself. Yeah, that was more fact you know, discoveries. Well, there's but also this, this is... thing that, I, and again, I, I say self-reflectively, the role you're asked to play as a child that you get success for as a child is kind of the role you're going to play for most of your life. Mm -hmm. And then you actually deal with life. And life doesn't necessarily want to treat you that way. <laughs> and that becomes the real tug of war, that fog that you might yeah. be well, talking about. Well, if I can jump in, because obviously with Julie, with your first book, I mean, you were sort of, I don't want to say pushed into the limelight, but Let's face it; you kind of, kind of were. I mean, you were very successful at a very young age, way yes. before Mary I always Poppins. I would say that I grew up very late, but uh, although I was unbelievably and happily successful, and you know, gratefully so, uh, at many things, my actual awareness of who I was and where I was heading and what I might want to do uh, 
came much, much later. It, it was all about absorbing and learning and watching. And But paradoxically, I think that's because you started working so early. So in a sense, you had a sort of an arrested development. You, you know, by, by the time you were 12, you were working professionally in mm. theater and then out on the road and touring in vaudeville and all of that. Right. And so, but it, it begs the question for me, which I'll go back to, when you guys have collaborated, a lot of your collaboration are on children's books. Mm -hmm. And I don't see children's books as being written for children, personally. I think they're books that are written... For the parents? For, well, no, I think they're written to actually start to get at the biggest life lessons and they are moments that parents and ch children can share. Mm -hmm. So very, very well put. Yeah, very well put. I like having yeah. him around. Yeah. yeah, that's why he gets the big. Also, bucks. we don't the, the, the we don't bucks. talk down to kids. We try to yeah. sort of uh, yeah um, treat them as my, my dad treated all of us as beloved equals, and I think he infused that into us too, into his kids. And it's so important not to condescend to your kids or treat them like little little things. Yeah. I, I, this is such a simple, this is almost like an interviewing question, but why that meeting? Why children's books? Why When you guys collaborated? For me, uh, I was listening to your early talk when you were just introducing the whole program, Alec, and falling into something that you never imagined that would be your main career thrust. And I think... You know, the the years on Broadway for me were all about learning my craft and finding out who I was and what I wanted to do. But I think it was the good fortune of being asked to do Mary Poppins that suddenly a lot of children invited me into their hearts in a way. And I was delighted, I found. Right. And um, from that, people are inclined to slightly bracket you, uh, or bracket one. Right, we and were talking about that uh, prior. Yes. Uh, I, and, and I'm going to say this again uh, as, a, as a compliment. I've had the chance to work with Tom Hanks a couple times. And the thing with Tom that Great I... Guy. Right, the th well, here's what I think, is it's got to be so difficult to sometimes be Tom Hanks because the entire world thinks they know you. Yes. And they know you for... The power the yeah. of the character, <laughs> the character that you play, and generosity, and of the man, over a time, yeah. I think you have to become that. Yes, right. So, yes. And so and not just well, with Mary Poppins, but with the other with side of music. it is though, there has to be that part of him in the movies for them to be as successful as they are. So there's that part of you, obviously. Right. I. Don't know, but but uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, I, if it works for Tom, it works for you. But, but, I, I but, claim to be terribly uh, fortunate in the people that have uh, guided me and mentored me, and and I, they've just I've had phenomenal people uh, uh, helping. But I just think that two things: one, the first two big films I ever made were, of course, Poppins and The Sound of Music. But secondly, um, having uh, my own daughter and then um, having other children in the family because when I married Blake, he had two children already, so I became a stepmom, and then we adopted two children, and so we're five kids in the family as a family. And somehow, children, the, the importance of, of writing for them became paramount. It, it just, it, it did fall into it because of what I'd been exposed to partially, but also I guess there was something. Uh, I never loved kids that much before I had you, my darling. I mean, I haven't ever really thought about this before in this way, and my my trajectory to writing for kids is, is a little bit different than yours. Yes. Um, but I would say that 
you know, people ask me all the time, what is it like, what's Julie Andrews like? What is it like to be Julie Andrews' daughter? And I'm sort of always in some form of trying to come up with an answer I can just, you know, <laughs> trot out as yeah. needed. But, but an the elevator truth of the pitch. matter, an elevator <laughs> pitch, right? But, but the best one that is really the truest one is that I often say to people, you know, I'm happy to report that she's every bit as good an egg as you might hope and imagine she is. You know, she's really actually and a really lovely don't person. And on it. Totally tidy bedroom, do I? No, you no. don't. <laughs> but the no. reason that's, I think the reason that's, so no, it, the truth is I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why she couldn't just snap her fingers. Why do I have to clean my room for Christ's sake? Right. But anyway, but I think the reason that people love you on screen and those of us who are fortunate enough to know you in person realize that you're every bit as lovely in person is because you, you, again, I'm just going back to your childhood. You became a sort of a caretaker very, very early in your childhood. I mean, well, you I were... Well, actually, from about 12 years old exactly. onwards, was taking care of my whole family one way and another. So, right. and, 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 and again, the first two movies that you mentioned, the most like, iconic movies, you're, the, you're powers, the powers that be, whoever is there making the decisions, saw in you the embodiment of the ultimate perfect character Take giver. Well, I happened to be in the right place at the right time and thank God for it and for all those good people. But yeah. isn't it crazy? I mean, because it is. I mean, you were the, the caretaker as, as a child and mm. then you became just about the world's most famous caretaker with Mary Poppins <laughs> and Maria von Trapp. If they only knew, so yes. So Emma and I were talking about karma into mission. There you go. I mean, that's one example of it. Right. That whatever, what is that? Well, the idea that karma, people think karma means payback, and it, and it doesn't. It really means kind of your character defects or your character's strengths, something that you've developed, and at some point it gels in your life for some reason. And yeah. it might have seemed really painful at the time to live through it, but then suddenly it becomes something good. It's That's turning your karma into mission. trajectory that you're unaware of at first. Yes. That's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. That's exactly it. And, and again, the call, if you will, to service. Because I think when you actually are writing anything, but especially writing for families, it is a call to service. It's a call to the better nature. It, it's, it's a chance to actually touch on life lessons and themes that hopefully connect us a little bit closer. So I think, again, I'll, I'll be a little redundant, but I go back to you both gravitated toward that. Not me. I can't stand children. Not even yeah. my own. No, but, I'm kidding. But, but no, but, but I, I oh, do think that that's fascinating, yeah. especially as you guys work together that you find some commonality in something, you both approach it from different places. Yeah. yeah. Well, that has sort of happened by a very happy accident, didn't well, it? Well, I mean, just for, for mine, my purposes, um, you know, for me, there really was a watershed moment, and that was when I had my first child. See, I'm saying my, the same thing. Yeah, that's, well, that's so and then my second child. Yeah. You know, there was a, I was working at Bay Street Theater, and, and, we, and I was functioning as a producer. In so our, one of the things about Emma that, by the way, I don't know if the audience knows, but uh, Emma, with, with her husband Steve, uh, helped found uh, Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor, an equity theater uh, that is still an institution uh, to this day. And that's something I would also love to hear you talk about a little bit of how you that journey, because that's magnificent. It changed Let's talk about the village it the in a way. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. We can talk about it. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> We're going to talk about it when we come back after a short break. You're listening to Bridget Leroy. And Alex Ockel. And you're listening to on Sundays on the East End on Long Island's only NPR station. We'll be right back. <laughs> ¶¶ 
This is John Landis, your host for the Jam Session Radio Hour on 88.3 WLIW-FM, Sunday nights at 8, bringing you the best in local live jazz. All recorded live right here at some great venues on the east end of Long Island. And please stay tuned to 88.3 WLIW-FM, also heard on WLIW.org slash radio, Long Island's only NPR station. I'm Meg Noonan, inviting you to join me on 88.3 WLIW-FM for Freeform Radio at its new time every Sunday night from 9 to 11. You'll hear a lively mix of rock in all its glorious subgenres, plus a heavy dose of soul, R&B, and more. So tune in to Freeform Radio, where variety reigns supreme, Sundays at 9 p.m. on 88.3 WLIW-FM and WLIW.org slash radio, Long Island's only NPR station. Today's show, an interview with Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton, was originally broadcast on this station in November of 2018. We hope you enjoy it, and happy holidays. Welcome back. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. So, what were you just saying just now during the break? Uh, we were rambling on about something. And I was saying that, that in creative writing, I was once told, and I, I believe this to be true, that plot is the refuge of the untalented writer. That when you actually are trying to tell a story with plot, you're actually not digging in deeper to the writing process. Mm -hmm. And that, and this is definitely was a Pixar uh, way of thinking, uh, that when you kind of have the story plume out from the character, from like within to out, then the plot just is what I it's supposed to be. I was just going to say that for 44 years I was married to the writer Blake Edwards and he used to say that you can have the flimsiest story outline but characters make your, make your story really. And how, and how do you guys find your characters in your writing? Well, there's a number of ways yeah, really. It depends really. what we might discuss with our uh, publishers but, and editors but also you suddenly, something floats right under your nose and you say, my God, I have to write about that. A couple of times that's, that's happened. Well, like with what? Yeah. So um, one of our children's book series is called The Very Fairy Princess. Mm -hmm. And that was very much inspired by my daughter, Hope, who um, for the first several years of her life, only ever wore dresses, only ever wore pink. But even before Very Very Fairy Princess, there was the dump, Dumpy there the, was dump the Dump Truck the dump for truck. Sam. Yeah. 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 So it, there was, there was one him. book, for instance, which we wrote, which is called Dragon. And it, it's a medieval, middle ages story. Historical but, fiction. Yeah, but it was something that I read it in um, the reader's encyclopedia, I think. And it was a brief description of a dog, the dog of Montargis in, in France. And it was just basically two lines about what he was, but no one had ever defined him or solved the mystery of why he was and what happened and so on. And I, I just called Emma and I said, we have to, I have to write. With awesome. But the other interesting thing is it isn't so much the character, I mean, yes, obviously character is key, but what fascinates me is how often what we write, whether it's a picture book, whether it's a middle grade historical fiction set in the middle ages, you know, whether it's uh, the a memoir, whether it's right. something about the theater, the same themes keep coming up. And, which and are what, what are those themes? And those themes for us, the recurring themes tend to be um, 
you're never too small or um, too individual or too outside to make a difference. Yeah, you that's a big always one. Always make a difference, yeah. whether it, whether you're a child or a mouse, or you know, you you can make a difference, and one person can make a difference. That's a, a recurring theme that we never know we've written about until after we've written it, and then it's like, oh my god, we did it again, you know? <laughs> right. And, and, and then the arts. You, and, just, why, and why do you think that theme? Because that's that is so universal as you describe it. I think it's something that we want to impart. Yeah. Or at least, certainly, it's what we want to write about for children and but you don't go into the books julie with with that never like we're no, gonna tell no, we're gonna make what this point from right. we think yeah. we're writing about one thing and it always ends up coming back to right. that, and that yeah. and the word that comes to mind is empowerment yeah. you're empowering it is. yeah the little, empowerment. a little book called the great american mousicle and that came about My favorite book it, uh, <laughs> it is, he loves that book uh, well it was it was Quite easy to do compared to some of the others. Well, it, yeah. well it's about a, a bunch of mice who live under a, yeah. a stage but, but and put on their own I have to tell you right. that Broadway. I was Broadway. doing um, uh, Victor Victoria, the, the uh, musical on Broadway in theatre, and my lovely hairdresser came in and said this, they found a mouse in the, in the uh, wig room and in the wardrobe. And I said, oh, uh, you know, please give it a um, humane trap. Don't just trap it. And, you know, <laughs> right. well, traps have been set. I said, no, no, won't somebody please uh, take that little creature and, and put it out somewhere in Brooklyn in the countryside <laughs> or something. And he said, Julie, you do realize that the, the theaters in, on Broadway are riddled with mice way, way, way down <laughs> in the basement. It. And a light bulb went off yeah. in my head. And that's when I thought, mice underneath the great theater on Broadway uh, were so so putting on their own show. You know, they they all really want to direct. And then this, this, yeah, well, no, this sweet guy suddenly said, uh, my lovely Al said, he just wanted to come up and see the stars for a while, you oh, know. And so all right, so, so you helped, you know, you helped found Bay Street. Bay Street. Yes. You have your own history in theater yeah. and your own writing path. And you teach writing in the MFA program at Stony Brook. Right. So very accomplished author and storyteller. Thank you. Would you say that's part of, like, how did this happen? Um, well, what it's interesting to me is that it, it all came in a very roundabout way. But looking back, it perfectly led one step to the next to the next. And everything that I've ever done sort of seemed to sync up with everything else. So when, you know, I started out thinking I wanted to be acting and directing and producing in theater, uh, we ended up founding our own theater, and mostly I was then fundraising. But, uh, <laughs> Which but, is what no. they do on the station a lot. I know. If you're listening to the show, you might want to make a donation. Because it is not it for is. profit. Anyway, um, the point is, when I was, we were about, I guess, five years into Bay Street um, when I had my first child, when I had my son Sam, and a window or a door opened in my mind, and I was like, we have no children's programs at this theater. Where are the children's programs? Wow. You know, like, we were just programming for adults. Right. And and the first thing I did as soon as I came back to work post-maternity leave was to start a kids series there and do programming for young audiences. And then I got very involved and eventually took over the leadership of the educational programs there at Bay Street. Out in the schools. So I was out in the in schools the area, teaching yeah. middle school uh, kids and high school kids mostly playwriting and then producing oh, right. the plays right. that they wrote. You also do YAWP. So yeah, yeah, that's what I do now. Building at the, uh, an audience the for yeah. the future. What, what is that? 
So, so that program at Bay Street was called the um, Young Playwrights Program. Now that I'm at Stony Brook Southampton and teaching for the MFA and creative writing there, I also run a program there where we take teaching artists out into area schools to lead workshops in playwriting, script writing, uh, memoir, essay, poetry, you right. know, all the same disciplines the MFA But the represents. journey, so, so again, the inflection point for, for both of you is the birth of a child. Yeah. It's, that's the moment when all of a sudden... Like the world the becomes child-centric. And, and, but the, the water is kind of, you know, clear, and you can see very clearly that these are the stories that are worth telling. Yeah, and, and more than that, just I realized that at a certain point, when the minute Sam was born, I like mom. I wasn't kid friendly. I never babysat. I never, or like you too, Bridge. Yeah. Um, you it's know, OPK, other people's kids. Yeah, other people's <laughs> no, kids. Exactly. OPKs. But it's an interesting thing because my daughter is totally kid centric. Like she loves little kids. She loves babysitting. She just adores them. I was not that child. No, but I. as soon as no. I had my own children. Everybody else's child became someone's Sam or Hope, right? You know? And all of a it sudden, it teaches you compassion. It in teaches a way. you compassion, and it made me totally interested in other people's kids in a mm. way I never had been before. I'll tell you one thing about us, though, darling, is that I think I have to write a form of reality. I might write a fairy story, but it's got to be rooted in in something that stems from reality. Um, that our earliest books, we almost, uh, well, we argued a bit about that, whether whether the magic Never. happened. <laughs> no, we don't have well, You know, we, we had that, but we had, a, I would say it was a passionate debate that we had even in Toy Story yes. of the rules. Yeah, and, right, the and rules what of the world. And what world is this taking place in? And, and yes. what we decided collectively is that you can break the rule once, but not twice. So, what, so in what? the end of Toy Story, there's a moment where Woody looks at uh, Sid and talks to him. And that broke the rule. It's a big rule. You're not yes, toys right. don't talk to humans. We had big debates about it. I bet. Can you do it once? Can you do it twice? What does it really mean? So I get it. And yes. And I would again go to that that fiction, especially whether it's illustrated, it's visual fiction. You're either showing a world you never knew existed, or you're showing a different version of this world. Right. But the the truth is, in our case, that we had a, a little sort of what you might imagine to be a little magic truck. And Emma said, why can't it just be magic? And I said, no, it would be so interesting if it could come from maybe some source that's real. Right. And so the 1950s, among other things, uh, you, you have... Science exploding in a way of understanding. That's and, right. And psychology exploding. Yes, in a way of understanding. and and the, the greater world, everything about science and outer space and God knows why. Yeah, right. as per nothing. I mean, it's just, but yeah. it's interesting because. Where are you going with this? Well, where I'm going is <laughs> I I identify with the idea of you're showing something that actually could exist in this world, but you're seeing it in an entirely new way. Right, like which, dumpy, which or might or also go mousical. back to to your memoir. Well, it it well, I was saying that it's for me it has to be to some extent it can be as as fantasy based as you like, but it has to be based in some reality. And I think it's true for the well, way you we know write. What? I isn't think it, it is true for the way we write, but in the end, I think it comes down to why you want to continue writing for young people. Not just how you started writing, but why you continue to to stay there in that world. And mm. what I think you and I have both come to to really appreciate and understand and why we now feel it's so passionately important is that um, you know every one of us at this table can remember the book in our childhood that 
changed our lives. Mm -hmm. Ferdinand right. the Bull. Mm. There you go. Oh, I Aww. love Ferdinand. He was adorable. Just so for me, it was the Phantom Tollbooth, and I fell in love with words. Yeah. You know, so we can all remember that book. That you know, how many for of me us it was can Chaucer, say it was Canterbury Tales at <laughs> 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 age oh, seven? Right? I know. I'm being smart. <laughs> it was Dante's Inferno. <laughs> it's tools. It's what we're giving young readers. Is is you know, a window into the world. Is companionship. Is a reflection of themselves. And is tools with which to cope with or navigate life around them, which yeah. is, you know, adult fiction, adult movies, television, books, you know, it's, it can, it isn't always, obviously, but it can just be entertainment. We are speaking with Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton. We're talking about the creative process of writing, memoir, kids lit, theater, what else? Zeitgeist. <laughs> Yes, everything. Yeah. And um, we're going to take a quick break and then come back. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget LeRoy and Alex Sokolow. Serving Eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, this is listener supported 88.3 WLIWFM Southampton, streaming online and around the world at WLIW.org/slash radio. We are Long Island's only local NPR radio station, your source for news, music, and entertainment, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here in Southampton, New York. Hello. Today's show, an interview with Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton, was originally broadcast on this station in November of 2018. We hope you enjoy it, and happy holidays. So we're back uh, Sundays on the East End here with Bridget Leroy. I'm still Alex Sokolow. You are, and yeah. we're here with our wonderful <laughs> guests, Julie Andrews and Emma Walton Hamilton, talking about all kinds of stuff. Anyway, but we were going to um, shift the discussion to, well, to music a little bit. Well, a little bit, the role of music in your writing and the role of music in your creations. Emma's very much, when we write together, she's the nuts and bolts. For me, it's always musical, even to the early books, like the Dumpy books, when the the uh, cockerel on the roof crows, it's the fanfare, the first mm. thing in, in the book, right. is right. the fanfare that announces, hey, it's morning and we're off and running. And, and well, I wonder if you would just, because your background is so musical, if you just kind of hear and see things through a different prism I than, may. than, than I someone may. I who do. doesn't. I mean, it's yeah. no big thing, but... No, but well, let me ask you this question. Do you, do you have songs that play in your head? Like earworms? Well, no, just in general. Like when you mean love songs that I adore? And yeah, like just, just well, not as much as I do. I hear. Excuse me, it sounds so boastful, but the opening of um, Dragon, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't see a fanfare, but I saw it's. If it were a film, it would be a big pastoral uh, scene of the morning and the mist on the on the fields and so on and the dog finally cresting right. the hill and coming into view and did you hear the music for that but i heard basically i saw and heard that one and, uh, and happily emma agreed and we were off and running with a with the beginning i love that because for me is i actually hear songs in my head 24 hours a day i'll wake yes. up in the middle of the night with songs in my head and well, of course, sometimes it's based on what you are actually thinking. Do, absolutely. Have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. But, but what I say it is because when I write, depending on what I'm writing, I find I'm drawn to a soundtrack. In well, my a head. lot of uh, um, yeah, your dad. Uh, my dad, yeah. Tony Walton Tony, plays yeah. music. And, and Blake? 
used to do that too mm-hmm. while they work. While they work. But music is often a theme also in our books. We wrote a book called Simeon's Gift, Mm. um, which we didn't think we were writing about music. We thought we were writing about nature and and family. And it turned out to be very much a book about creativity and creative block and music. And and it's a a fable. And um, this traveler, traveling musician, uh, medieval minstrel, Hears mu- in fact gets overwhelmed with creative overload. He is a musician. He's mm-hmm. out studying music in the world, and there are you know monks chanting, and there are drummers drumming, and there you know. But in the end, what he ends up with is music from nature. He ends up with the, mu- the, the music, the music of the beats of a deer right. creating rhythm, and the music of the river, and the music of a bird song, and and that sort of thing, and and how all of and how, how it affects and, him and, and affects his work. Yeah, so we, I mean, we we're all, we always come back to the arts or music. And then we package a lot of our books with a musical CD in the back. Oh, you did? That's yeah. cool. That's very well, cool. Simeon's we did. The music that gets packaged, where does that come from? We had a great collaborator who sadly is no longer with us, but um, who was absolutely wonderful, and we worked with him. And uh, But it's usually originally composed mm. music. And, yes. And... Um, well, we did one book and that Simeon was actually... actually turned out to be a symphonic piece that I narrated and have used, yeah, the, that, done on stage, well, which was unbelievably thrilling for, for Emma and, and for me when we first heard a full symphony orchestra. 88 pieces. Wow. Yeah, playing. Wow. The vibration of yeah. that must have been well, incredible. But the, it was fresh and brand new and exactly right and uh, and there was the river in the orchestrations right. of the, yeah. you know, like peter and the wolf but they see it was exactly but i had to have that explained to me like oh and that's peter's music and that's the wolf and yeah. here comes the, the duck whatever, yeah the yeah. duck such right. fun um but that brings us back to and such stage. joy the joy it's joy you know to to this memoir that you're working on which kind of starts with you at at stage and goes through the movie years. Well the first memoir um, was all about my early years and finally heading toward Hollywood. This is sort of about the working years and well they were all working years. They were all working (laughs) years. They were. A brand new kind of working which was discovering film for the first time never having made one and so on so you, so, so you start in vaudeville you start on the stage and yes. there's such a big and, and i'm saying as a consumer there's such a big difference between the very word performance when you watch somebody give a performance on stage it's a different concept than somebody that gives a performance on the screen well you're very different well first of all performance is full figure all the time so you better you know Right. Be aware of that. Right. Whereas on screen, you can it, be in close up. It's very and, small. Right. Right. I, and, and, the, and the word that I would always go back to is it's a presence. It's a presence that sets yes. a performance in motion, but it's not really the same concept. Yes. Didn't and it's live as opposed that, to the best take, frozen right. in time forever. Well, there's something Blake told you when, when I interviewed you last year for the Independent. What was that? Can you something remember? Something about looking through a keyhole or... Oh, that, no, what no. Was it? He, he um, I know exactly what it was. He became very irritated at people who kind of um, showed off in their filmmaking and would shoot through a keyhole simply because it was artistic and, right. and, and right. made a difference. Whereas he never wanted his audience to ever feel a camera was even there. That's cool. And, and Pay no cool. attention to that uh, man behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> Thanks for throwing it, that in there. Yeah. But it really mattered to him, and I, it mattered 
to me that he felt that. I mean, I that's really my appreciated personal, it. Actually, I have to say that's my personal preference. Well, it's like, look at a stare. I mean, yeah. who better, or Rubinstein, or, yeah. or Segovia, or yeah. anyone? You don't see the hours of work behind that easy, right. and lovely, the levitation, joy-giving talent, and yeah. the leap into one's mind. That's right. That's right. If it's really good, you lose yourself in the experience. You're not watching somebody work and being aware of the craft. You're just having an experiential. Well, let's bring that back to again writing this memoir. You, you it's very self-conscious. How can you disappear yes. in the writing of your own memoir? That's what. That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, I mean, it's very hard is... to find a voice for it. Uh, that sounds really weird, having just been speaking about music and everything else, and I was raised on that. But the first one, I had a perspective which was looking at myself as a child and yet writing about myself as a child, and the two finally sort of coming together. But this one uh, is proving more difficult, I think. Do you feel that, darling? Yeah, well, I think what, what I'm starting to see is the pattern now. We've been at this for two years. You, we time, started time, by with, the way, is a human construct. So. It's true. It's, so we started with events. You know, we started with a timeline, basically. Right. That's what we, that was the Which first was thing terrifying. we did. We yeah. built a timeline of her life and, we, and all the events. And, and, we're, and that is a living thing that is constantly being added to and right. but is the sort of structure, it, the architecture the, of the, the book. main framework. The architecture. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. it is. Right. I mean, again, this, this is an assumption, though. Like, when, you, when you're looking at the Hollywood years, when you're looking at your, your career that's taking on, you know, out there, as if we're not out there, but out there. Um, <laughs> I, I, find, I find, like, one other thing about movie sets or TV sets, and I'm saying it from a writer, not as, as a performer, is that there are places of work, but they're excruciating, slow, followed by heightened reality. Right. Well, you think that, I mean, depending if you're just a, an observer or somebody just walking onto a studio set, you think nothing's going on. Right. Of course, it, it, nobody's going to waste that vast amount of money and something's going on all the time. They're oh, either course. painting the something or fixing a doorknob that keeps falling off or lighting or whatever. Right, but as you're navigating your career, I'm, I'm actually curious though that, that you know, you're immortalized on the screen and yet you have to show up every day. If you're day. lucky. If you're very, lucky. Very, if you're lucky. Very you're lucky. Low or, or very talented. But you have to show up every day. And that's a workplace. That's and you have to hold a film in your head uh, in bits, like a jigsaw puzzle, all the time. Right. Because you don't shoot in sequence. And you could film the ending somewhere in the middle of the movie uh, schedule and so on. Whereas... On stage, you go from beginning to end right. every day. Right. Absolutely. But bringing yeah. it back to memoir, I think you know one of the things that we haven't touched on is that there's this there's this third component um, in our relationship in our working relationship, which is our editor. And so you know we have multiple versions now, multiple revisions and versions that we. Which we've, I keep losing. <laughs> with, yeah. Which um, which well I have. Don't worry, I have the master. I know, Don. Oh, several versions. Um, but you know, so what will happen is we'll start with a scene or a chapter or several chapters that are primarily kind of anecdotal and factual, and we'll send it to her, and then she'll say. But what were you thinking here in this moment? Or but what was that like? Or how does it feel when you, looking back on that, you know, to which mom's knee-jerk reaction is usually, I don't remember. Or, <laughs> right, right. How or, do I know? I was right, busy right. working. Right. 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 Okay. But then it's my job to pick at that and to go, well, let's talk about that and for And you know, a the what interesting is thing like, is, is you know? that once you've opened me up, it comes. memory well, comes flooding back in a way 
No, and, no, and it's very, very interesting. And that brings us back to this mother-daughter relationship. I mean, yeah. is this, how do you guys navigate it as a mother and daughter? I mean, I love my mother dearly, but I can't imagine, well, maybe I can. I mean, just the idea oh, of working your with your mother. Oh, your mom is very, very talented. I'll tell you something. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time saying I wish that every human being in the world could have this experience of doing a memoir with, with a parent, an older parent, because it is such a gift and a right. privilege it's and an honor, you know. Too, a learning experience. Yeah, and it gives me a window into my own history, into my kids' history, and so forth. I mean, it is such an incredible. I wish I could do it with my father, you know. I wish I, I wish I could clone myself because I you feel like. You have to have enough time, darling. I know. And you could. I, it is such a gift to be able to do this, but I don't think we would have been able to do it as if if there is any ease or which i think there is there I do. is there is a shorthand now there is a, a, a right. rapport we finish each, each other's sentences and we do that god knows what um, but right. there's also well, we, we intuitively know how to navigate the moments of but tension it, it and so forth it comes from respect and i think it comes from respect and go. it comes from having collaborated on so many other creative endeavors but even to from this the point. beginning we would talk things through and argue things through but there was never I've got to win or it's got to be my way or else it no was no there's we both know there's a we have a tacit understanding of the best idea wins right and so but, but, and somehow we both recognize we have which the same is taste. the best right, but so I mean, we know also, what the best but, idea and, is and I'm big know. into unifying principles I'm big into this idea that there's always something that connects there's a bigger truth happening and, and would you say in your collaboration uh you know you mentioned the the little guy winning kind of the mm -hmm. little guy being empowered um is there a unifying principle of the narrative that you guys are kind of creating in the well memoir? that does come first in yeah. a way and that's the we certainly aim for that rather than any personal um like a, is that the voice you mean like gratification the, like the architecture of the yeah well the theme about? is yeah is theme. probably what we're both aiming for and truth in that theme, or I mean, I, I say that very, very loosely because uh, we're, we veer all over the place, but it's something that we share, which is finding out our direction together. And, and, and I, I do think that that collaboration comes from a certain kind of understanding. Would it come from anybody else if we weren't related, a mother and daughter? Maybe. I, th I think we're able to go places that you know maybe don't end up on the page but having kind well, you, of you have the shared experience, experience. Yes. at yeah. this point yes. emma's rem remembering a lot i of would hope as well. that whoever whomever one works with you have a certain respect and 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 you're able to listen but somehow it's deeper than that for us it's also i have to say that the great surprise of working together and it's a lot of years now of working together is that it has really strengthened our relationship. I suppose it could have gone the other way. Yeah, but it could have, really could have absolutely have. Yeah, gone the totally. other way. And but this, this uh, memoir has been a big test. This is, it, I mean, it, you know, it's not like everything is unicorns and sparkle ponies. You no, know, no, there but, are. But, but I would imagine, uh, and and again, without judging the business side, I would imagine everybody's kind of running around moment to moment, deal to deal, movie to movie, TV. And that it's hard to maybe see a through line that thematically con connects to a child. 
Because, you know, even if it's just hard, it's, well, it's and a different. And a lot of other things that you have to hold in your mind. I mean, we it's funny because people are like, how do you do this? I couldn't do this with my mom. We'd be picking yeah. at each other. We'd be bickering at each other. We don't have time to bicker at each other. We're too busy trying to figure out what that idea is. Before the deadline. The best way to say right. that sentence yeah. or the best well, word. Before the deadline you know. of poor Emma having to go and <laughs> collect her daughter from school. or right. a, Real life. Real, Real life. life. Yeah. Dentist appointment. No, but whatever. I mean, we don't, it's like if we've got three hours at a stretch to work on something, we're not going to spend that time right. bickering because don't you think, time though, is that too the, essential. Our show is called uh, Sundays on the East End, and East End is a big part of oh, this. And don't you think that, that being on the East End on Long Island, I know it's for me. I've lived here full-time a little over three years. My writing has been better. The process. That's fascinating. The, the, everything about being here has helped me. Because, Jules, the, you're, you're, you live here full-time. I do now, yes. Yeah. I used to. I lived in L.A. as, as you did. Yeah. You feel the creative. Everyone talks about the creative vortex that yeah. kind of it resides here on the East End. I think it's more peaceful here and less frantic. But also, uh, the for one was a painter, the light here is so gorgeous, too. But uh, whether that affects us in any way, I don't know. I think it's a common... It's it's a it's a perfect storm right. of being close enough to the center of creativity in the world if you you know pardon my city. bias but new york city yes. right is yes. is 2 hours away and that it obviously is is close enough to permeate and influence the culture here but it's also exquisitely beautiful you know the light the, the air. But, but I would, the, I would go know. back to this idea of time, though, because what I have found out here is that time does not exist in the same way it existed when I lived in Southern California. I think that's because you're not in a car as many hours a but day. But it's also because I'm not on a clock with white noise in a marketplace where everybody, whether I know them or not, is chasing something mm. in my mind. People are very, very decent out here in the Hamptons. I think people are... They still have a, a contact with themselves and, and a relationship with each other, whereas because of cars and things like that, it, it's no less important in L.A., but maybe it is slightly disassociated. But, but you know, like for me, and again, uh, I, I say this with love, I feel like everybody that works in the entertainment industry is a melon in a supermarket. And I think that when you're a really nice melon, you're in the front row and they put the <laughs> mist on you and everything's great and they charge 85 cents a pound. And when you get dinged up a little bit, you end up in the fruit salad. You know? <laughs> it's like, and I never could get that out of my head out there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because there's going to be one melon that just slides forward and, and is a great melon. A yeah. fantastic melon. Yeah. Or, or gets to the front and is not such a great melon, but has its moment right. of yeah. being, well, it, people thinking it's a great melon. It's no. like there's one wonderful goods that they have out here at Thanksgiving and and uh, um, uh, Halloween and things and they're the most extraordinary shapes and you want to collect them all right, exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. well so after this memoir this is the second in a trilogy so well the, from it, your lips to someone's ears I don't know but I hope so it is actually hopefully it, intended that way. That is what, what the first the third one. So, so, so the first book is the first roughly 30 years or 27 years of her life um, from her childhood. Right. And that's called Home. And that's called Home, a memoir of my early years. And it takes it takes the reader up to the point where she uh, was invited by Walt Disney to come out to Hollywood to do Mary Poppins during Camelot, during the production of Camelot. And um, this... Me, I just want to... Appreciate that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that's a I know. Freaking sentence. It's a great <laughs> sentence. <laughs> anyway, it's fun to say that sentence. This book picks up 
literally from the moment she steps off the plane in Hollywood to be to embark upon this role in this film and subsequent roles in subsequent films. And it takes us just prior to the time when she returns to Broadway to come back east to do Victor Victoria. This is a memoir of the Hollywood years, for lack of a better Although expression. Although I have a personal favorite title, which I'm hoping uh, that I might get to use. I, I always thought if the first book is home, this one would be homework, homework. Oh, I like that. With a but one word, but with a capital W. We love it. Right. I like that. Yeah. Everything is work. Right. I mean, you must have found that, uh, Alec. We'll in, in I, uh, yeah, you know what? Um, yes, and when my mind's right, it doesn't feel like it's onerous. No, that's right. It's going to be enjoyable. Yeah, I can't stand what I'm doing, and <laughs> I quit like every day. 50 times. Well, so it's know, all about getting my mind right. Yeah. We only and who have, do you have to prod you back into? Is it you? Uh, or is it, do you have somebody that nudges you and pushes no, it, you? you know what, for, studios, for me, maybe. Well, you know what? I'm very conscientious. I really believe when you get, and it, and you use the word gratitude, when you get the gift of being, somebody trusts you. Yes. And and the gift of being given an opportunity. Yes. I, uh, that, uh, weighing is the wrong word, but I care about that. I care that these are people. Oh, we who, are so incredibly fortunate. Right. Yeah, it's a third say. book. So yeah, you back, asked about Victor the third Victoria, book. Victoria, so back on Broadway. Yeah, if if and when hopefully there is a third book, we'll see. Um, then that will be the return to New York, the return to the New York stage, and probably and, called Home Stretch. Right, and the grappling with um, the loss of her singing voice and the 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 start of her directing life and, and the loss her of writing and life, beginning to write our books together. Right, right. Exactly. Like another so. career altogether. I heard that you're the, the you directed in Australia. Yes. Uh, what's it? The sound. My fair lady. My fair lady, and yeah. I heard it was spectacular. It was. was. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was spectacular. Yeah, no, I have to say it's one of the things that I'm very very proud of. I was given every possible assistance and it seemed that money was no object although I'm, I hope I didn't break the bank <laughs> but it was glorious to look at glorious to hear the sound was amazing it was the look at the of Sydney it was, Opera House and oh, the, wow. the um, performances were extraordinary and it was I still think of it as a total absolute joy and That's you great. can imagine for me we we were fortunate enough to come hey, you down never and see saw it, the original. and I never I wasn't born when right. when Mom performed the role on Broadway, and of course she didn't get the opportunity to play it on the screen. So for me, I had seen two black and white grainy production numbers that were done on the Ed Sullivan Show, and that's it. Wow. Yeah. We only have about a minute left, Julie, and the, the, we've been inundated with people <laughs> for this little show that we do in Southampton, uh, people who are your fans all over the world. Is there anything you want to kind of take them out with? I mean, you've just oh. reached people all over. Well, mostly my gratitude. I don't really know what to say except gratitude. Um, it, it is so lovely, and people are so friendly and warm and generous. I I've rarely have anybody that comes up and, and uh, sort of tells me off and is mean and <laughs> cruel. It's imagine. mostly, oh my gosh, how lovely to meet you. She and, has the and nicest fans in the I world. I do, I they do. Say, they always say thank you. They're like, thank you for the joy. Well, I would like to say family. thank you, Julianne. Ah, thank, thank you, you And Emma Walton thank for joining you. us today. This was so fun. I'm thank so you guys. grateful for this one on my, on my right. Uh, stage, stage left. Stage right. Stage right. And you've been listening to us here, Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokol on Sundays well, on the East you, End. Brothers. Well, thank, thank you, you for coming on the Everybody air. Be and well, stay well.